What's up, everybody? Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. A little bit of a different feel to it today. We're trying some things out, experimenting. I, I hope you liked it. hope we get better at that as time goes. But I'm JJ Jerez, your host with me, of course, Arif Dean of Mile High Sports and Peter Ball of The Athletic. Welcome in, Peter. Good to have you for our first episode of the year. And let's get into some season preview. How you been? How was your summer? Tell us a little bit about that book that you've been brewing up. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, things are things are good. I just uh, just moved apartments, which has been nice. So I'm getting settled. But um, yeah, the book was uh, it was definitely a bit of an exciting process. But I, I kind of had the idea as the season was going that I knew if the abs were able to pull it off, it, it could be a, a fun project to work on in the off season. And um, and then they they were able to get it done. And then the publishing company I was talking to was interested. So it, it, it came together pretty quickly and I had to write it quickly, but I think um, I have some interesting reporting in there about some of the, the inside story about Gabriel Landeskog's contract extension or his, his re-signing, for example, or, or inside Andrew Cogliano's team meeting ahead of game six. So some inside stories that I think provide insight into situations people might not have been privy to otherwise so it, it was fun it was a lot of work but um yeah if anyone wants it it'll be out um late november peter we haven't talked to you in a while i think the last time we had you on we were still trying to figure out if the avalanche were going to bring back nazim Kadri. so it's been a minute yeah you wrote a book over the summer like let's let's dig into that a little bit <laughs> number one okay first of all how long is this book i think it's like 240 pages incredible your first book right yeah first book. you wrote a 240 page book in a summer yeah it was it was busy it was it was a lot of work but it was it i don't know i you never know when you're going to cover a team like that one again so i figured it was if i was gonna throw away any summer of my life to write a book <laughs> way too quickly that was probably the one well that's kind of my question too so like now heading into a, a brand new season do you feel refreshed do you feel like you might hit a wall somewhere halfway through the season how, how are you feeling mentally <laughs> yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely a little tired um but i i i think i this weirdly i mentioned that i moved apartments weirdly that kind of like re-energized me like i in new space i feel like so so that kind of i feel good going into the season but but yeah, as the as a lot of the abs had it was said, it was a short off season, and it was a, a short off season for me that made shorter by that. But worth it, and um, yeah, maybe a little tired, but I'll I'll. So live. you wrote an entire book, and yeah. you moved apartments, which probably involves a lease. So we're not getting rid of you anytime soon. You're you're here <laughs> apparently for the long haul, at least for another season. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Oh man. That's new apartment, new you, new hair, new Arif, new <laughs> season, new me. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, you missed it, moment. Peter. We talked about this on one of the older. Oh, episodes, the the so. transplant. The transplant. Yeah, we talked about. Uh, we we had to fill some off season fodder, so yeah, might as well. All the social media knows about it. It's great. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. Let's get going. Let's kick off this season. Um, we're gonna obviously preview the season in depth a little bit later in the show, but first we got to get to some of the latest news, and I think. What we've all been keeping an eye on heading into training camp, that's that 2C spot, the second center. Um, sounds like it's been locked up. Alex Newhook getting the opportunity. Uh, he proved himself. Um, I guess let's go ahead and start with Peter. Um, I guess in your mind, do you feel like Alex Newhook's ready to seize this opportunity, or do you think there's going to be some stutter steps along the way? I think there will be some stutter steps. I think it's possible he's ready. I think it's possible he's not ready. And I think the abs have the luxury right now 
of they know they're going to win a lot of regular season hockey games. So you might as well give the guy that you drafted to be a top six center. You might as well give him the chance to do it. And if he's not ready, he's still young. You still have time to, to develop him a little more. He's only 21 years old. So he, he'll have time to, to continue to develop. And then you can go get someone at the deadline, move one of your other players to center, move JT Comfer up and, and figure it out from there. Like you can, there's, there's ways that there's a very possible scenario in which Alex Newhook is not the second line center entering the postseason, And there's a very likely scenario in which he is. And I thought uh, Jared Bednar today, Arif asked a, a good question about that. He kind of said like, this isn't like we're giving him a chance for a week or two or a few games. Like they really want to give him some run with this to see if, if he's ready to take on this role. And it's a, it's a great opportunity for him. I know it was something I wrote about. Um, he was really excited about that over the summer. Like that's something that he talked about when he was, he was at home with his parents and it's um, it's a, a big chance for him. And, and we'll see if he's ready to answer. If he is ready, it's too early to tell. <laughs> we'll yeah. see when the, when the games count, he had a good camp. Thought he looked faster, quicker, um, but but we'll see. Yeah, this is uh, actually funny because Peter and I have been texting about this for what seems like months now since training camp started. Is Newhook ready to take on this role? What's he going to do with it? And how long is that leash going to be? And like you said, like I love Jared's question today because you know when the Avalanche brought in Tyson Jost, JT Comfer, and Alex Kerfoot, they had that all college line, the college line of rookies that they had a lot of time and a lot of patience with, because let's face it, they were coming out of that 2017 season. They didn't know if they were going to make the playoffs. They had this extra time to see what they had. Well, now with guys like Newhook and Myers, these rookies that are in the lineup, you don't necessarily have the same, you know, ability to give them more, more of a leash because you're trying to win now. And when I asked Jared that question, he made it a point to separate Newhook from Myers. Myers, yes, it's one of those things that is exactly what I just said. Like, this is a young kid that, you know, if he came up with the Newhook and Comfer and Joe's here, maybe he gets more time and there's more patience. But now that he's coming up in a year where they're looking to win and they need him to score goals. I don't think they're going to have as much patience with him. If he's not ready, he will play in the minors. He will be healthy scratched, but he made it a point to separate new hook and saying that that second line center spot is a different case. And he even went as far as saying that this is something that could take until the trade deadline before we know if it's something that we want to move forward with, or if we want to move away from. And um, I'm, I'm really interested and really fascinated because, you know, like Jared said today, you know, when Newhook has ups and downs, you can plug Rodriguez's, you can plug Comfer in. He didn't uh, mention Branton in, but I'm sure that's going to be an option at some point as well. You can move things around to let him kind of learn the ropes. Uh, but the reality is come March 3rd, I want to say, is the trade deadline. By then, if you're not sure that Newhook can be the guy, not in the future, but in the 2023 playoffs, if Newhook can't be the guy yet, you can go out and make an acquisition but you got months to think of, you know, to, to get to that point. There's five months between now and the trade deadline. Yeah. And I if, mean, and if he, and sorry, sorry, okay. JJ, if, if he is the, if he is the guy, um, then you still can go get another top six forward. You just don't have to worry about if he's a center or not, you can get a Bingo. wing. And that's, yes. that's a lot of flexibility opens up a lot of possibilities. Cause I do think regardless of new hooks progression, I think this team needs another forward. Yeah. I think there's a couple things that, I guess, make me a little nervous as to how ready he is. One, just simply being the sophomore slump, right? This is going to be his second full season. And 
you know, we look back at Nathan McKinnon when he jumped into, I think it was either his second or third, and he came back too bulky, right? I mean, I know second, Alex Newhook. Yeah, I know Alex Newhook, you know, he looks stronger. He looks bigger. I mean, that could be a testament to how much strength he lost during the, the playoff stretch. But I also, I think it speaks to his maturity that he was able to kind of lock it in at 21 years old after winning the Stanley Cup and say, no, I have an opportunity in front of me. I'm going to do my best to, to seize it. And so I think he came into training camp, really earned it. And I, I don't know, my hopes are high. There's that slight little doubt in my mind that it's, it's a sophomore slump. He might be trying to get used to a new body of his. But um, I, I, think, I think he is capable of taking care of business. A lot of the guys that have sophomore slumps are guys that burst onto the scene and have incredible rookie seasons. Newhook has kind of been slowly brought into the NHL. He didn't start last season in the NHL. He had a respectable well, 30. He did technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he had a respectable what did he end up with 33 points, 31 yeah, points. Something like, something and then like he didn't play he didn't play all the games in the playoffs. He didn't score a goal. He only had assists. Um I should have his stats pulled up. It was either four apples or six apples in the playoffs, something like that. But he wasn't somebody that came out you know, like McKinnon put up 60 something points, one rookie of the year. And now he's on notice with the NHL. He's someone that's been kind of slowly brought into the game where a sophomore slump won't make as much sense for him as maybe a rookie. Like let's say in Detroit, Lucas Raymond, who came in, burst onto the scene, had all these points. And now they're like, all right, this is a forward that we need our best defenseman to go up against. And we're going to make sure that we do that. So I'm not sure the uh, sophomore slump is going to be a thing because in order to have a sophomore slump, you need to have an incredible freshman year. And, you know, how are you going to call it a sophomore slump if he puts up 30 something points again? It's literally what he did last year. So I think there is a better chance of him having a breakout season as a sophomore, similar to what JJ and I've been talking about, kind of Tyler Sagan, his second year with the Bruins after winning the cup his rookie year. Um, but he's got to be able to take that step. And it's still it's still a question if he can do it, obviously. Yeah, I think another question is the chemistry that he needs to build with the with his new line mates, right? I mean, you got Val Nachushkin's really the only mainstay. You got Alex Newhook hopping into a new role, Evan Rodriguez hopping into a new role. So I guess from what you guys have seen, how do you like that Evan Rodriguez, Alex Newhook, Val Nachushkin line? I think the one thing that'll be interesting is whether they can find kind of more of that scoring touch. So last year, um, Nachushkin spent a lot of the year playing with Burakovsky, who's who's a sniper, and Nazem Kadri, who was scoring at a really high rate. Um, I think what will be interesting for me with that line is Val Nachushkin, he's, his finishing got so much better last year. Can it stay at that level or even get a little bit better? Can Newhook kind of take that next step and become a goal scorer at the NHL level at a really consistent level? And can Evan Rodriguez do what he did in Pittsburgh the first half of the year. And if the answer to two of those three are yes, then I think that that second line will be fine. Um, if only one of them's really scoring, then you, you kind of get into some dicey territory. And that's why I'm interested to see there's kind of some, the Gabriel Landeskog thing is, is interesting. They haven't really given much, um, I guess, speculation or Bednar hasn't, he, I asked him today if he's any closer to skating and he was like, yeah, I guess he's closer, but he didn't really say, <laughs> but like, I think for me, that second line is where Landeskog would yeah, make a you lot miss him. of sense. You miss him yeah, a lot. Because I a, think he's a he finisher. makes any line work. He makes any line work and he's a finisher. The biggest thing for me is not, and it, this goes back to what you were saying about them needing one more forward. But right now, you know, with a fully healthy lineup, you would expect that the third line would be comfort playing between Myers and Rodriguez likely. And then the fourth line would be Helm, Cogliano, and O'Connor if they were all healthy. Um when you bring up Rodriguez at the second line, well, now your third line is what? Comfer, 
a very big question mark in Myers. You don't know what you got there yet. And I guess Logan O'Connor. And that's your third line now. And then you just went into this whole thing about how two of those three things need to be a yes in order for the second line to work. Well, if the second line doesn't work with Rodriguez or, you know, it's not giving you what you want, you have more to be desired. And then the third line is made up of three guys that aren't necessarily big offensively gifted guys either. Then suddenly you're back to the avalanche of four years ago where you got McKinnon and Rantanen kind of running the show this time with Lekkanen. And then not much help offensively early in the season. And I know it's early and they're going to score a lot and the defense is going to score a lot more than a lot of other teams' second lines. Um, but it's just really interesting to see like what missing one player in Gabe Landeskog, not just what it does to the second line, but the entire top nine. Yeah. I also have more faith in Ben Myers than you, I think. I think he's going to be fine. I don't, I don't think he's an issue. I think he's going to be a goal scorer. It's just there's no proof of concept. Like we can't think of Ben Myers the way we do Burakoski where we're like, yeah, this guy will put up 22 goals and no. 45, 60 points. Like you still don't know what you have there. So I personally think he's better than Kerfoot when Kerfoot came into the NHL. Um, but Kerfoot put up 40 something points because he had an opportunity and a big leash and Myers isn't going to have that many minutes to play with. Yeah, I mean, Bednar obviously sees something in that line, right? And I, I think if you think about it on paper, you got Evan Rodriguez, who, who loves to pass, loves to create those assists. You got Alex Newhook, who loves to bury goals and, and knows how to do it. And then Val Nachushkin to clean up the rebounds. It sounds like a perfect fit. It's just about what, what can they execute and I guess how long of a leash are they going to have to figure all that out? Yeah. And I think they're going to, I mean, Newhook's going to have a leash at second line center. I don't know if they'll mix up who's, who's on his wings, but but he's going to have a leash there. I I like I like the fact, and you know we've talked about this: the four wingers when they're healthy, when Gabe Landeskog is healthy. Which again, like who knows? I still, by the way, just a side note on that: it was really fascinating that Landeskog spoke for that media day thing that they did at the hotel the day before training camp, and like we had no idea this guy was going to be out. And the yeah. Avalanche never have injured players speak ever, regardless of media day yeah. or not, no matter what the like the reasoning is, an injured player never speaks. So well, when you have out, a cup on the table and it's media exactly, day, then exactly. That yeah, then the, the captain, the captain's got to come out. So uh, that was just really interesting. But when you have those four wingers that are healthy, there are so many different ways you can like mix things up. If new hook is kind of in a bit of a slump and you want to give him a finisher and Landeskog and a guy like Nichushkin to dig the pucks out, or if you want to bring in Ranton and let Ranton and, and Landeskog both pretty much be snipers on his line. You want to bring in Lekkanen and Chushkin to both dig the puck out. Like there are so many different things you can do with that top six because of how good those four wingers are and how much we know that pretty much any of them has chemistry with McKinnon now. Right on, right on. Well, moving on, more news we got to get to. Kind of some news from the depth of the lineup, guys, we were keeping an eye on, and that's Anton Bleed and Mikhail Maltsev getting waived, and we'll see if they get picked up by anybody this evening. But other than that, I guess, what are your thoughts towards uh, those two guys? Just getting the uh, more of a sacrificial wave, right? It's not necessarily that they're not wanted here, but just kind of semantics and what have you. Yeah, I think I would expect both of them to clear waivers. I think this will be a there'll be a lot of people on waivers today. And and my guess is Anton Bleed and Mikhail Maltsev won't be the the biggest names out there, um, unless a team really needs forwards or something like that. But I think that Bleed, I think, was more um just to have flexibility so that they can when Darren Helm gets healthy, when they can when maybe Landeskog, when all that happens, then they can send him back to the Eagles without having to put him on waivers again. 
So I think that was a move more for flexibility than anything else. Whereas I think Maltsev, they just didn't think he had that good of a camp. Um, yeah. and, and he didn't, he didn't show all that much in preseason games. I think there was one game where he had a good third period. If I remember maybe the first home game against Vegas, um, but he didn't, he didn't show that much. And it's, it's a shame. I know I talked to him yesterday, um, which we're recording this Sunday night. So Saturday, I talked to him Saturday and he talked about how he worked really hard over the off season to, to slim down, to, to try and add a little quickness, but it, it didn't seem to really do all that much. And then he was gone for a little bit with visa to get a visa. He had to go oh, to Canada. Yeah. So, so he had a weird camp and I don't think it was when he was on the ice. I don't think it was all that impressive. And I think that's why he, he got waves, but I would anticipate bleed sticks around the club, just judging by the fact that he was skating today. Yeah. I remember, uh, I, I'm pretty sure the rule is if you clear waivers, you can stay with the club, but the club now has obviously 30 days to send you down without having to put you through waivers. So kind of the method behind that madness is like you said, Jared putting him down now, squeezing him in when there is a million names on waivers rather than, you know, October 27th, Darren Helm is healthy. Avalanche put Anton bleed on waivers and the New Jersey devils claim him. So yeah. And then it's any yeah. team that has an injured forward. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll claim him. Yeah. And, yeah. So ultimately the idea is to do it now so that over the next 30 days, I'm assuming they're expecting Helm to be ready within over the next 30 days from today, October 9th or 10th, when he clears uh, that you can just make that easy move. But yeah, Maltsev, it was really telling when Jared talked about him today, kind of he, Jared's not a mean person and he's not going to sit there and bash a player, but he was pretty open about wanting Maltsev, challenging Maltsev to be better and saying that he had, he had a quiet camp and then too quiet of a camp and, you know, leaving more to be desired and all that. So Maltsev, I don't sense. It's just interesting to me that he made it through to the end. Um, I think uh, Megan from DNVR asked about the fact that, or maybe it was about Bowers, but same thing applies to Maltsev where like, you know, this is a player that from the beginning kind of looked like he wasn't going to make the lineup, but didn't get a chance to partake in the Eagles camp either. So he kind of like stuck around to the end. I'm guessing the exposure around the NHL team is probably better for him. Uh, this is, this is just me speculating, but I think that was Megan's question was about, um, I think Bowers. It was about Gene Bowers. Yeah. But I think with Malta, I think it was probably that he was out of the country having to, to get his visa and they probably wanted to yeah. see him skate one last time and see if he could do anything. And maybe they were hoping he would get into a one last preseason game, but they didn't have it. That's, that's speculation. I don't have reporting on that, but that would yeah. be, I think that probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Makes sense. Right now. It, it seems to me that Sedlak, Bleed, and uh, Cogliano are going to make up the fourth line uh, unless Comfer is ready to go, which it sounds like he probably will. Then you have a fourth line that, or actually that's with Comfer. That's healthy. with Comfer. Yeah. With Comfer then you healthy. Have, yeah. And then when Helm comes back, it'll take out Sedlak or Bleed. And then when Landeskog comes back, it'll take the other one out. So there ultimately are what we've kind of been saying the entire offseason is Bleed and Sedlak are ultimately going to be your new Sturm and Abe Kubel in terms of positioning in the lineup. You guys kind of touched on Shane Bowers. Let's talk about Martin Cout as well, since they cleared waivers. I guess, does it surprise you that they cleared? And how, how do you feel they look? Do you think these guys get a couple of decent extended chances throughout the season? Or do you kind of feel like they, they've overstayed their welcome? I liked Bowers camp a lot. I thought he was pretty good. I thought he looked solid on the penalty kill. I think he's a good skater. Jared talked about him being in good condition. Um I think, I mean, it's pretty clear that these guys at this point don't have all that much value league-wise. Like if you're looking at like 
could these guys be chips in a trade? They both passed through waivers and no one claimed them. So clearly they don't have like a ton of value. Um, That's a great point uh, on yeah. the trade market or anything. But I think that I, I liked Bowers camp. I thought Cats camp was, was up and down. And I think what's kind of, I don't know about what the right word is, but maybe frustrating is just that like, sometimes it seems like he goes in and out of games where it's things that he could maybe control like effort and things like that. And it's like, trying to make the team here and it's I, I don't want to call into question his effort but there were times where it didn't look like it looked like he was kind of wandering through the game the last couple games of the preseason and that's that's not what you can't have that if you're trying to make the team you know you got to be playing like Anton Bleed and trying to not that Anton Bleed did anything all that crazy in in the games but you noticed him because he was skating really hard and he was hitting people and things like that and Cal Jared always was complimenting bleed for just being a fireball and being just noticed and loud and you know that's that's what you got to do in the preseason yeah and I I just I don't think Cal did enough of that and it's tough I mean I think that it's 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 if you had told me going into camp that both these guys were on waivers at some point I would not have been shocked like they they both were former first round picks, but there's a reason they haven't gotten an extended run in the NHL. I, I, for Shane Bowers sake, I hope he gets a shot in the NHL at some point. Um, but I also think that like, this is probably, this team is pretty banged up right now. And if you can't beat out bleed and Sedlak, then like, it's going to be tough at, at any point in the year. I'm sure there'll be a rush of injuries at some point and they'll get a shot. But, um, I think Bowers had a nice camp. I think he helped himself with this camp. And I think Cow. I kind of think the opportunity was there for the taking for him, and I don't think he seized it maybe as much I mean, as he should have. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. When they lost Coleman and Goudreau, they didn't go out and sign anybody. They knew they had guys like Radish and guys like uh, Boris Kachuk and uh, who's the other guy I'm missing? Uh, Ross Colton. Like They knew they had these young guys ready to step into the lineup. It's telling that the Avalanche you know, added guys like Sedlak and Bleed and added depth because like you said at the beginning of camp if you said that Cowden Bowers were going to be on waivers it wouldn't surprise me either it became a story because we focused on it and Cow kind of had his highs and his lows and his highs were kind of high and his lows were pretty low like he wasn't as consistent as he should be so like I don't think the plan going into camp like never say never any player can come in and impress you know JJ I'm sure you've been around since uh the Nick Holden and Nate Ginnon days like those guys weren't supposed to make the NHL lineup and they did but never say never but the avalanche brought in enough reinforcements with the idea in mind that more than likely shane bowers and martin count are not going to crack this lineup unless they genuinely wow the training the the coaching staff which obviously like you just said peter didn't really happen and i think it's interesting i think bednar talked about um today i really liked what he said about he talked about how there's a lot of guys on the Eagles roster who can play NHL games, who can come in, not make yeah. many mistakes and just be NHL players. But they're looking for guys who they think can help them win, be more than just guys who are, are there. Um, and I think they didn't, it sounded Bednar seemed optimistic about Bowers. He seemed optimistic at points about count. And I think count probably has a higher offensive ceiling than Bowers. Um, but I think he, they weren't ready to give them that shot yet. I was, I think Bednar really likes Sedlak. They have experience together. I, I didn't love Sedlak's camp, but I mean, look, he's a guy who Jared knows he can trust. Um, and, and I think that's probably why he, he put him there over Cout and ultimately over Bowers too. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with Peter too. I think I'm still holding on hope for Shane Bowers. With with Cout, it just seems like consistency is, is his biggest issue. And I think there's something very telling that as preseason develops and you know rosters get a little tighter and a little tighter, his game starts to fall off. He was great against other AHLers, right? But once he starts facing you know more of an NHL-style roster, that's when his game kind of fell off and he almost disappeared. Um, all right, I guess here's a great spot to tell you guys about our friends over at Superbook Sports. Guys, football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll get into some more betting conversation later in the show, but now it is time for our our season preview, I guess. Um, So I want to just start it with a simple conversation. Looking at the schedules, I know you both received my magnificent magnet calendars this year. What are you guys looking forward to schedule-wise? Are there any stretches or or even specific games or even a, a break of games that you're keeping an eye on, maybe even for you know, some, some stories that you might be working on or just something you have highlighted on the schedule. Uh, well, Finland's going to be sweet. Um, yeah. I'm excited. That's whole... Finland. That should be cool. Actually. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be cool. That's and that trip. There's a New York trip. Obviously the Rangers were really good last year playing an MSG Georgiev against Shesterkin. That should be really fun. Um, that leading into Finland should be a fun stretch. And then honestly, beyond that, uh, this is probably a better question for Arif because I'm, I'm kind of living my life one week at a time. I don't really have that much of a sense of anything <laughs> that's, beyond. That's yeah, ultimately, right. that's ultimately how I'm doing it. I'm obviously going to that Calgary game on uh, Thursday, which is a bit of a bummer because it is a back-to-back that the avalanche obviously aren't going to have a morning skate. I'm not even going to be landed in Calgary if they even had a morning skate, but I'll also be missing Calgary's morning skate. Nazem Kadri won't get a chance to talk mm-hmm. to him, but should still be an exciting game. I mean, I'm I, the most excited thing I'm excited for to go to the saddle dome for is to walk the, the, the catwalk to see how scary this old arena is where the press box literally hangs over the ice. Like I I'm sure you've been there, Peter, but I'm very excited to go. Check a little freaky. You don't yeah. have to go across it, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm afraid of heights, but I felt the need to do it. You have yeah. to um, check it out. Of, that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, this arena is not going to be around for much longer. If they don't play in the playoffs, I probably won't go there much, you know, that often after this. So let's, let's check something off the box right there. Might as well. Uh, you both got to ride the notorious elevator in Tampa Bay, right? Oh, dear <laughs> God. <laughs> that oh, took its sweet God. old time. That thing was something. I'm looking forward to December uh, because that's kind of when they just get into a rhythm. almost feels like it's an every other day kind of thing. And I think that's going to be a really telling month, um, kind of like it was last year. That's kind of when they got everything in, in order and the ship headed the right direction. I feel like that should be the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm anticipating a slow start, not going to lie. But yeah. once they get into that rhythm, get Fransu's a, a handful of games, give Georgiev some rest and a handful of games himself, I think that December is – really going to make this season uh what what it's going to end up being 15 games in december nine at home one two three four five six on the road and the first three are on the road so they're going to have a stretch boston and philly and boston i think buffalo boston philly and then they go on a stretch of nine out of 12 games on home ice literally every other night with just a little pause in between after the nashville game for christmas obviously uh very fascinating. I'm excited for that Arizona game on the 27th. Um, 
I think this is going to be the year that I no longer call them the, and there's a reason why I'm excited for Arizona. I think this is the, (laughs) I think this is the reason, the season where I finally no longer call them the Phoenix Coyotes because I'm going to start to call them the Arizona State Coyotes. And I just want to go see what that barn is all about. So December 27th, Avalanche at Arizona State. What is it? Mullet Arena or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I also, I, I love, I'm a cheesy guy, so I love like the when a player comes back and they do a little tribute video, especially oh, with yes. the cup. So so Seattle plays, I think, third game of the year. Burkowski will get his ring. Jack Brother. Johnson will be Jack Johnson yeah, scoring Johnson the season opening goal. Come on. Yeah, that would be great. Two years in a row. But it'll be cool that he'll get to be there for the banner raising and things like yeah, that. So that's gonna be cool. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for kind of those those types of things that we'll see um throughout the season. Obviously, Tyson Jost return um, when Minnesota comes to town. Yeah, Nico Sturm, right? Am I right? Hey, I'm 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 a Nico Sturm guy, so so (laughs) I thought he was pretty good. Darcy Uh, Kemper will be big. Obviously, Kadri's not until March, and if he's healthy, because that dude, you know, he'll get a big to miss five or six games a year, and and if it's one of those, but he'll get a big ovation. Ovation, like it's they lost quite a few guys, man. Like, and some of these guys were really. Obey Kubel. Abe Kubel with Toronto. That's New Year's Eve, I believe. But yeah, like the Burakovsky, the Kadri, and the Kemper, those three stand out. And then there's obviously Jack Johnson, Obe Kubel, like guys that played Sturm. regularly. Nico Sturm. Like it's it's a lot of players. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's that's fun. I mean, yeah, they reached the pinnacle, right? And the, the bar has been set high. So I kind of want to get the next conversation into I don't know, maybe just a little different feel to it because we know these guys already achieved greatness and, you know, who knows, they might have been at the peak of their game. But I want to break down a handful of players that I've hand-selected, you know, crowd favorites. And my question to you guys is how do these individuals take a step forward? How do they build off of what they did last year and how do they, if even possible, improve? So I guess let's start with Arif and I want to start with... How do I improve? No, not you. <laughs> oh, gotcha. No, you're already great. I don't know if there's any Thank you. Appreciate improvement that. on what you can do. Uh, but no, Kale McCarr. Let's let's talk about what he needs to do or what he can do to build off of what he's done last year and take that next step forward. Don't ask Kale McCarr what he can do to improve because he's going to tell you he doesn't care about the Norris Trophy or getting more points. He just cares about helping his team. Like it was that weird, humble answer where he's like, yeah, I don't care about improving on last season, but also I want to be the best I could be. And it's just like, which way yeah. is it? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think shooting more. I think the more he shoots, the better. I think we started to see last year just how much he yeah. can score if he puts yep. the puck on net. And I think even as he gets more into the league, more confident. I mean, last year was like his career high in shots by a bunch. Two forty. Yeah, and yeah. I and I bet I bet this year he shoots even more, and he should. Like he has a great shot. He's really deceptive, and this team's going to need probably some some different goals from different places considering what they've lost so i think yeah i think him him scoring will be for me it's and obviously i had i didn't actually get to answer the question yet because i was making a dumb joke about it but (laughs) number one like it was great to see that he scored you know he had six game winning goals 28 goals for me it's to elevate himself and he probably is already going to be on the radar from the beginning of the season because of the playoffs he had but to elevate himself into the heart trophy conversation yeah the narrative's there the narrative's already there. People are already going to be thinking about it. Is he the best player in the NHL after Connor McDavid, arguably before Connor McDavid? So, like, we haven't seen a defenseman in a really long time where 
I think Pronger we don't, might be the last one to win the yeah, heart. Yeah, to win the heart in general was Pronger, but like to even talk and be in that conversation regularly. Like I know we talked in, at times about Roman Yossi, but like there's an era where we always talked about Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. And there was an era of now it's like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and, and Nathan McKinnon. There was always an era of like these forwards that we talk about in the Hart Trophy. Connor for Kale McCarr, it's elevating himself into that conversation where on a yearly basis, it's like, who's going to win the Hart Trophy going into this year? Is it Kale McCarr? Is it Connor McDavid? Is it Austin Matthews? Is it Nathan McKinnon? So on and so forth. So being part of that group for him, I think is going to be the big step that he can take this year. I, there were a couple times last year, and I, I want to emphasize a couple. I think one or two maybe in the playoffs and maybe one in the regular season that I can remember where he laid a big body on someone. And I know that's not part of his game. That's not something he needs. But I I love to see him throw the body around because he does well. Um, but I'm with Peter. His, his shot is phenomenal. He has the vision of his blade, right? It's almost like he has eyeballs on his stick blade because the way he gets pucks through and the shot selection that he ultimately, you know, takes um, is always just, I, it's genius. It's next level. And I'm with Peter. If, if we could see more pucks on the net from Kale McCarr, good chance they're going through. Who's your next player, JJ? Let's get to Miko Rentanen. Miko Rentanen. Rentanen. Um. I think consistency. I mean, obviously he's a very, it's, it's funny because one of his strengths is his consistency, but it does also feel like there's some, like in the playoffs, he, he kind of had a weird stretch where he wasn't scoring or, or doing all that much. So I think maybe just a little more consistency, but like, look, this is an elite elite winger in, in this league. And I think he sometimes gets overlooked just because of how many great players the avalanche have, but he, for the most part has stayed healthy. He scores a lot of goals. I, um, I kind of thought last year we were maybe going to see a bit of a jump scoring goals wise. Like he might put a ton of goals on the board. So maybe this is the year where he gets to what? 43 goals, something like that. Um, so maybe, maybe that. Um, but I mean, he's a, he's a pretty darn good player. Um, I think if he stays engaged, he's going to have a really good year. I said, he, he set a career high in goals last year, so he was no slash, but he had 30 and 52 the year before. So if he, scores at that pace this coming year he he could score a lot of goals yeah i mean he led the team in points the last two years of course mckinnon the, the few years before that but i mean it's a neck and neck race Arif, do you see him beating nathan mckinnon out for points again this year i mean if mckinnon misses a few games and yeah i can see it happening again like that's ultimately what it's been coming down to the last couple of years but is if they're both healthy nate's gonna win that yeah, yeah they have to both be healthy and that's equal that's games played Equal game planes, yeah, it's, it's Nathan McKinnon. It, it'll be Nate. Um, it might even be Kale. <laughs> but is is this guy not like the most forgotten like point producer in the NHL? Like we never talk about him. It's really I, fascinating yeah. how little how little Miko Rantanen gets talked about to the point where I've had people ask me, even going to the playoffs where he's so quiet because he didn't score a lot of goals early in the playoffs and then he only had an empty netter, I think, through the first two rounds. And then you look at the playoffs at the end of the year, he led the team in points where I've had people ask me, like, is Miko Rantanen really part of that core? And I'm like, yeah, Miko Rantanen is really part of that core. When you look at from 17, 18 till now, and I'm going to I'm gonna get to the answer, I swear to God. But he's from 17, 18 until now, Nathan, or Miko Rantanen is 11th in the NHL in points per game. 
and in total points in general. From 17-18 till now, that was the year him and McKinnon broke out. The 10 guys ahead of him, Patrick Kane, Kaprizov, Crosby, Matthews, Panarin, Marshawn, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Kucherov, and McDavid. Like, all all-star level names. He's ahead of Jonathan Huberdeau. He's ahead of Mitch Marner. He's ahead of David Pasternak, Johnny Goudreau, Alexander Barkov. Like, I don't think we talk enough about this guy. The big one for me. It, or, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I think go some ahead. of it is that maybe it's because he hasn't had a, a one huge year to kind of put it. He's, he's just pretty consistently. And great. yeah. The, yeah. The and one, like last year, he probably, it. last year, he probably would have gotten to a hundred points if he hadn't gotten sick at the end of the year. Yeah. The, the, the one season that sticks out for me, I want to say it was 2018, 19 JJ where halfway through the season he was far and away the points leader yeah it was it was 18 19 yep. it was the second year that him and uh it was literally like the crosby's the ovechkins and mcdavid's and all that all had like 55 56 points and Rantanen was like 65 66 like he was far and away the nhl leader in points going into the all-star break and then the last 30 something games of the year he had like 19 points like out of nowhere it just fell down so it was a really strange ending because he was on pace that year for like 110, 115, crazy ass numbers at the at the at the all-star break. The big one for me, and this is gonna go back to the same bullshit kind of answer I gave for McDavid. It's not necessarily gonna be how many points he puts up or how many goals he scores. It's gonna be getting to that point where he's highly regarded among the best in the NHL. The Avalanche have a three-headed monster. And I know he's the third of the bunch, but they have a three-headed monster. They have Nathan McKinnon, they have Kale McCarn, they have Miko Rantanen. And I think that Miko Rantanen needs to get a lot more respect than he does as being part of that monster that this team has. I'd like him to just not rely so much on the power play. He's a weapon and absolutely produces amazingly on the power play, but sometimes it seems like that's the only place where he can produce. So I'd like to see a lot more 5v5 action from Miko Rantanen. That brings us... To the other guy of the three-headed monster, Gabe Landeskog. Of course, like you said earlier in the show, we're not even sure when his season's going to start. But when it does, how can he improve upon last year? I don't know. It's he hard was to great. say. He was it's awesome so hard last to year. say. Like he, he. I mean, obviously, he's not. There are things that like Nathan McKinnon and and Cam McCarr, like they. There are things they do better than him, but that guy is so. He was so important last year in the playoffs. He was. He was awesome he makes so maybe every line less work. suspensions <laughs> yeah let's yeah. not yeah no boarding kirby doc um opening night yeah yeah kirby doc I mean, got rattled by landis Gog and mccarty last year for different reasons yeah um so yeah i mean i i think that yeah stay maybe play more like don't get but but injuries are hard to predict and and, and we'll see i mean one. he's already starting off hurt so We'll see. I think they're probably my guess is if I'm the abs, I'm taking a very slow, cautious approach with with whatever the heck this injury is, because these aren't the games that matter. And in the games that matter, he's really freaking good. Last playoffs, he was awesome. I think he was abs third best player in the playoffs, I would say last year. And that's where he was McKinnon. That's where he was on my consmite voting for for that reason. Like this guy is going to be crazy he's going to be 30 next month which is just crazy to think that young Landeskog, that was 19 year old captain is going to be 30 in a month but last year in 51 regular season games he had 30 goals he played 20 playoff games he had 11 goals this dude played 71 games last year and scored 41 times and by the way 40 assists 
41 goals, 40 assists, and 71 games. And that includes the fact that playoff games are hard to, you know, keep up that point per game pace. The last couple of years before that, he hadn't even been a point per game. Like somehow this guy signed the biggest contract of his life and got better at that age. Like, you know, getting closer to 30, five game winning goals. And he shot friggin' 20%. Like, I don't know where that season came from. It's hard to improve on it. For me, it's, you know, trying to make sure that you're, like you said, he's in the lineup a little bit more often because I think we're starting to realize, and we are going to realize, JJ, you mentioned, you think they're going to come off to a bit of a slow start. We're going to realize how important this guy is to this team. And I'm excited to read your book about the fact that that contract negotiation went the way it did because losing him would have made a world. And I know it wasn't really a thing that got close to him actually walking, but that would have made a world of difference for this team. He is that important. And to see him scoring at the pace he did last year, no other avalanche player was anywhere close to those kind of numbers. Yeah. He approached the ice with a weird energy when that season started, like I'm here you're going to fill me. And I think he'll do that same thing once he finally does start the season. So that brings us to Nathan McKinnon. Guys, what does he have to do to improve upon his last year? Oh Stay on the ice. It's, 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 yeah. And that's like, again, it's, it's tough. I mean, this guy is an awesome, awesome hockey player and he wants to play more than, more than anyone. I, I think that I, I, it would be interesting. I thought defensively in the playoffs, he was awesome. I think it makes sense in the regular season for guys to pace themselves, especially if they know they're going to be in the playoffs rather than taxing themselves a ton. But if, if he could have that defensive effort, the whole regular season, it would be really fun to watch. I don't know if it would be the smartest thing to do just because I think you got to pace yourself a little bit and know where your value is. Um, That's maybe one thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, last year McKinnon, he got off to, he scored like two goals in 2020, Mm -hmm. the 2020 half of the year. Or yeah. 2020, the 2021 half of the year. And then he scored at like a 45 goal pace the last, like the, in the 2021 game. So I think, I think McKinnon's going to have, if he's healthy, he looks awesome. This camp, I think he's going to have a really, really good year. He's a very good hockey player as we've seen. Um, so I think just as, as much as he can stay on the ice, that that's, what's going to make the difference between if this is another really good Nathan McKinnon year, or if this is a year where he's in the top three in heart trophy building. I think Nathan McKinnon, you know, is this something that he cares about? I'm not sure. Probably not at this point, but this is going to be the year he gets a hundred points. How could he get better? It's hitting that triple digit number, um, which ultimately, yeah, I know. I, I know he deep down cares. He, he wants to win a heart trophy. He wants to, you know, even though, uh, what was it like Jack in Philadelphia doesn't care and doesn't <laughs> vote for me or whatever he said at the yeah, NHL. I think it consu- it doesn't consume him as much, but it doesn't I, think consume he, him, yeah. I, I think if you ask Nathan McKinnon, do you want a heart? He'd be like, yeah, of course. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and a con Smythe and, a, and another Stanley cup and all that. So like, I think this was going to be the year he scores a hundred points and that's going to be because he's healthy and in the lineup. I think the biggest thing for Nathan McKinnon is, um, Number one, not having those kind of scoring slumps, which how funny was it to see in preseason game number six, Nathan McKinnon came back, had like four or five golden opportunities and just couldn't bury it just like the beginning (laughs) of last season. So he's well on his way to another two goal start to the season. Just kidding. But that that's a big one for me. It's hitting 100 points. He might hit 100 in that Chicago game. Oh, God, that 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 roster, that team is going to be brutal. (laughs) I think if there's one thing it feels like he's learned how to really do better is 
handle the off season, right? He he's learned how to make the off season help him recuperate, help him get better, and and come out the gate flying for camp. I think he's. Oh, you're talking physically, not mentally, because mentally he won a Stanley Cup. Like how physically, how physically, more can yeah. you be fucking down on yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, physically. Um, all right, two more for you guys here. I we I mean we talked a lot about Alex Newhook, so we're skipping him. So now I still have two more. That's Bowen Byram. I want to get to Ooh. next. Well, I'm very excited to see him. I think so I. I I think the thing for for him is uh, aside from staying on the ice because that staying I healthy, yeah. That that's that's for a lot. I feel like that that's such a cop out answer. I'd really, uh, I'm really curious to see how he does on special teams. He's been doing some work on the penalty kill. They're trying out this three defenseman power play unit. Um, I I think that's an area where I'm. I know he wants to have the opportunity to play on special teams, and this is a chance for him to to do that. And so I, I think that's going to be a new opportunity for him this year. And I think if he's, if he's healthy for 65 plus games, he's going to have a, you, we're going to look at the numbers at the end of the year and be like, wow, that guy had an yeah. awesome year. That's where I am. I think for him to improve, it's, um, it's hard to say for him to improve as if he didn't have the playoffs he had last year, but as a regular season guy to have that, uh, you know, to, to be a regular in the lineup, obviously is the big one. Like you said, for him to be healthy, hopefully not deal with the concussion issues again, but for him to take that next step would mean he's pretty much the number two defenseman on this team right now. It's still Devon Taves. I'm not saying he's going to overtake Devon Taves spot just yet and play with Kale McCarr. But when you look at the avalanches top three, it's Kale McCarr. Then it's Bowen Byram, then it's Devon Taves. And that doesn't mean Taves is going to take a step back because that dude, the jump he had last year, he might make another jump this year. And then in 2024, you're looking at three avalanche defensemen that are probably going to play for Team Canada. But the big thing for me is we're going to look at Bowen Byram as the second best defenseman on the avalanche. And the only reason why I don't say first is because it's impossible to beat that guy right now. All right, let's get right to the last one. That's Val Nachushkin. How does he? take the next step forward here i think if he just stays what he is that's I, I i know like i i know that's not a step forward but i think what he did for the abs last year was so valuable and so important and if he just can replicate that and get to the point where it's now it's not just he had that one great year where he was really scoring a lot or if that becomes a consistent thing for him i think if he has a second year like he did last year then it that kind of becomes the player that he is not yeah. He shows that that wasn't an outlier, which, by the way, I think I don't think it was. I mean, I think maybe his scoring numbers go down a touch, but I think that guy is so valuable with his defensive play that even if there's a dip in scoring, I think he's he's well worth the contract. To me, to me, it's the way that he forechecks. It's it's that relentless pressure of forechecking the what we love talking to Jared about in March and April last year, how Val was this crazy ass four checker. And then they got Lekkanen and that's mini Val. And the way that those guys target the puck, like that's the biggest thing for me for Val. And if he keeps up that offensive production, which last year was what, like a 70 point pace over 82 games or whatever, 52 and 62, uh, you know, somewhere in the sixties actually. But if he keeps that up, he is underpaid at 6.125. His biggest weapon is his sheer size, and that's not going anywhere, right? And his skating, which that doesn't look like it's going anywhere. The way he friggin' gallops up the ice when he takes it far and just cuts in in front of the crease, man, nothing is nothing looks more beautiful than when he does that. Over under 2.5 three on three goals for Val this year in overtime. Oh, I've taken the over. They're gonna use him a lot. He's so good at it when he has that open space. 
it's over. And what is it usually? It's McKinnon and Landeskog and then Rantanen and Val? I forget how they did that because Kadri was in there somewhere. Yeah, like they, would, they would mix them up. They would yeah. mix them up. You can't um, go wrong with any pair of those forwards with Byram, Taves, Gerard, or Makar on the back. God, this team is so stacked on defense. Yeah, defense <laughs> is pretty pretty darn good. Guys, real quick, let's talk about Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes, Peter? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to throw a swerve into the podcast because I got two more players I want to talk about. That building off of what you just talked about. The first one is Arturi Lekkonen is getting him for a full season. What to expect from him. The second one that I genuinely want us to talk about is Sam Gerrard and kind of the step back in his offensive numbers he took last year and, and, and where he can go from here this year, because obviously we're talking about the other three guys in Taze McCarr and Byram. Uh, Gerrard's on a pretty friendly contract. Uh, so I'm really curious what he can, they can do because he is, the fourth piece of this big four-headed monster they have, even though he plays on the third pair right now. I think for Gerard, I think a full year playing with either Manson or Eric Johnson will help him a lot. I think, um, I think maybe, I don't know if he played with Jack Johnson a lot last year, and I don't know if yeah. that was the best pairing to bring out kind of what he can do. I think if he can just get back to what he was in 2020, 2021, yeah. like that's, that's the big thing. Cause he's a heck of a player if he's on. Um, and I, I, I know I thought he was. Ha- I thought he kind of had gotten back to that place in the playoffs, which is why I was ashamed he got hurt. I thought he looked yeah. really good, um, especially at the start of that St. Louis series. Uh, scored a big goal in that series. Still was a big part of why they won the cup. Um, and then for uh, Lackanen, I'm. I'm just. I. I think he is going to fit like a glove on that power mm-hmm. play unit. I think even today in practice, just he keeps the puck in the offensive zone so well when he's on the power play. And I think that's a huge advantage and is going to lead to him scoring a lot of goals and the abs power play scoring a lot of goals. I know the one preseason game I went to Sam Gerard was looking like his old self, right? That was his first game back. And I think there was one specific scenario where he whipped out three t- tornadoes back to back to back. Love that. He does um, love that. So uh, yeah, I think he's looking like himself and then Lekkonen, you know, at risk of, you know, sounding like, like Peter, he just needs to sit. He just needs to play his own game, right? I think he knows exactly where he needs to be. And having those elevated line mates, he's going to bury so many goals this year. It's going to be ridiculous. I want to see what the over is on him and and hammer that because he's yeah. gonna, he's going to score so much. I think Lekkonen's going to be up fifty five plus points. Like there's no reason for him not to be. He's never hit twenty goals. He's never had forty points. He's going to smash those numbers. Mind you, he was nineteen nineteen last year. So I love, I love when I use that. Yeah, stat but but right, also like right if he's line. playing with McKinnon and Rantanen, which that's well, the thing is like he's a guy that you you need those guys that are maybe not elite players themselves, but can play with elite players. Yes, and that's and, what he is. Yeah, and I think the Avs founded that was part of like. It, that uh, finding him allowed them to split up the top him and Nachushkin. Those are two guys that allow them to split up the big three, spread yep. out the wealth a little bit. You need those guys, Michael Bunting in Toronto. Like that's a guy who can play with top end talent. Even if he's not a superstar himself, you look at Chris Kunitz has a gold medal because of it. Yeah. Andre Palat, like 
That's right. you need those guys, and the, and Lackanen's a perfect example of that. The guys that kind of get lost. Everybody's focusing on a guy like McKinnon and Rantanen, and you see Lackanen in the quiet areas and just putting it home. I mean, I, I'm with yeah. You. I'm I'm excited to see a full season from him. It's crazy with the other guy with Sam Gerrard that his career high in points. I know there was a shortened season in there, lockout, blah blah blah, but his career high in points is 34. And if he plays a lot of power play time this year, and if he is healthy, and if you know, he is rejuvenated playing with a better defensive partner. I know his, his, his career with the avalanche started with Eric Johnson. Like that was his pairing for a while. And Josh Manson, anybody can play with that guy. If you're offensively gifted. Uh, I wonder if he passes that number this year. And I keep going back and forth on it because Taves, McCarr and Byram are going to have so many points. Like eventually somebody's going to not have the points. Like not everybody's going to have 60, 70 points, but 34 is, is his career high. And I'm really curious if he can hit that this year. All right, guys, a couple more questions before we get out of here and get this regular season started. The over-under, something I wanted to discuss. Last year, the Avalanche ended up at 119 points. The over-under for them currently is set at 111.5. That being said, over-under. Are they four wins crappier than they were last I'll, year. Oh man see i don't bet on hockey so i don't i the the and i'm still getting used to like point it's win totals are so much easier, i know like, on the I other know. sports the point totals are tough, like, but i can the avalanche win more games but not have any ot loss points and still have less than 119 because of the o2 like it's yeah 56 I, my, wins last year 56 that's so crazy dude they were so Gosh, they were I so good last vegas, year vegas vegas is vegas is good at this my yeah. guess is I'll go a slight under. I'll take not, a slight over. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be right around that mark because I think they're going to add at the deadline. I think the West got a little better. Um, so I think that they're like, I, I think their competition's going to be a little harder. So I'll go slight under, but I don't, I don't Where feel good at, about JJ? it. Uh, I'm going a even I'm pushing 111.5. Exactly. That happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really, I'm really curious because the central division, like, you know, a slight over to me, they're going to end around 113. So they're going to lose about six points. The I, Minnesota I, wild had 113 last year. They're going to lose a few. The blues are going to lose a few Dallas. I have no fucking clue what they are, but Nashville Nashville's good. Good. Yes. That's what I was. I, for. okay. Actually, if Minnesota had 113 last year, I think the abs can get 113. Yeah. Then I'll 50, go slide over. Yeah. 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 So the slide over sounds good there, but the, um, the natural predators are going to take some points away from other teams while obviously Chicago, Arizona are going to be points that are up for grabs. Like Chicago and Arizona combined last year for 125 points. And I think they're going to combine for fewer than that this year. <laughs> like, oh, totally. yeah, yeah. They're, they're not going to hit. Uh, although Arizona, the Avs can't. The Avs in Arizona. That's the Avs can't figure them out. So. They lost to them in a shootout last year. I remember that. Those and fun. they lost in either. It might have been in regulation. They lost him on the road last year. I remember that. Yep. I think Nathan McKinnon flipped off a fan. <laughs> well, you, you guys are segueing me nicely into my next question, and that's the biggest threat in the Central Division. Who do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I guess you guys already answered it in Nashville, right? No, I, I think it's Peter, still the Peter still likes St. Louis. Yep, I was. Gonna I mean, they're it. just good. They're just good. Like, I I think that I don't think it's Minnesota. I think they took a step back. I think you look at St. Louis last year. St. Louis was a. It's a coin toss of who was a closer matchup between them and Tampa and the, and the apps. Like yeah, if that game, if Darren, <laughs> yeah, if Darren Helm 
doesn't score that goal at the end of game six, that whole series could look completely different. Cause imagine the abs going back to Colorado with all that game seven pressure, the blues having all the momentum, all the talking heads, Oh, second round demons, all that. I still think the blues are really good. I think that losing Perron, I think really hurts, especially on the power play. If you look at some of their like power play metrics and stuff, like he was so valuable to their power play. So I think that's a big loss. Um, but I think they're a good team, man. I, I think Bennington, it's a lot of it's going to come down to him. But I think in the playoffs, that is not a team I want to see. Um, I think the Avs' two biggest threats are in the Pacific. But if, in terms of Central Division teams, I think it's I think it's St. Louis. Yeah. So the the thing with St. Louis for me is, and I know we we can do this with any team, and we just talked about Nichushkin, how what he did last year genuinely feels like him. Uh, I agree. Like when you look at the St. Louis blues, I agree. And I, I genuinely believe Cairo and Thomas will continue to be over a point per game guys. Those guys are incredible. Uh, I have some other questions though. Ivan Barbashev scored 26 goals. Oh, that's he's regressing. Yeah. 60 points, sure. 26 for goals sure. and 60 points for a guy that never scored 15 goals or had 30 points before he's going to regress. Braden Shen, like I know this is a veteran that's been around that puts up points, but he was pretty much a point per game last year, 58 and 62. He's not gotten anywhere close to that pace with the Blues since before they won the Cup, the first year he had in St. Louis. So you can see a regression there. O'Reilly already took a little bit of a step back last year, 58 and 78. Losing Perron, 57 points, 27 goals is big. Uh, Brandon Saad was right on par with what you expect, 24 goals, 49 points. Basically, there's a lot of guys that you can see regressing where – Oh, and Tarasenko, come on, 34 goals, 82 points, led the team. I don't know if he's going to be there again. I mean, I don't know if he'll do that. I think he could score 30 goals again. I think he's more of like a 30, 35 guy, 30, 40 guy, 70 So yeah, they they took a step. But I honestly, I think a lot of the teams in the West took a step back. And I think if you look at regression candidates, Nashville's got, I mean, Duchesne and and Forsberg both scoring like career highs by a bazillion. So I I think Johansson being a player again in general. Yeah. So like, I, I think that I don't think anyone in the central, I think Nashville got better, but not, I don't think they bridged the gap between St. Louis. I think Minnesota got worse. Dallas, yeah. who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, I mean, they could, Dallas could come out and be awesome. Like that's a very Pete DeBoer. What have we learned about Pete DeBoer? His first year with a team, he's yeah. fucking lights out. He's lights well, and out. it's like if Ottinger is what he was in the playoffs last year, I think I'm a big Miro Haskinen believer. Like, I yeah. think he's going to be awesome this year. Um, and I think that, yeah, like they, they could be good, but I, I don't I don't know what I'm getting from them. I could yeah. see him missing the playoffs. I could see him being second in the central. And I know how this is going to sound given the avalanche and what they have between the pipes and the question mark there. But the big thing for me is goaltending. And if you see Soros or Jake Ottinger are who we expect them to be. And if Jordan Bennington is the regular season Bennington of last year, not the playoffs Bennington of last year, that could hurt them big time because I don't think St. Louis's defense has enough to kind of overshadow bad goaltending like the avalanche's defense does. A hundred percent. It's not the that. team that won the Stanley Cup. There's no Petrangelo, no Edmondson, no uh, Jay Bomeister. So for me, that big thing is Bennington doesn't need to be lights out. He's just got to be what got to be Huso nine was. thirteen. Yeah, what Billy Hoso was yeah. in the regular season last year. So that's the big one for me. Is if the Avalanche have bad goaltending, they have a team that could cover that up, especially that blue line. If Nashville and Dallas have good goaltending, they could give. 
uh, the St. Louis Blues a big run. That's true. Yeah, I I I think that they'll be okay um, there. I think, and, and I think Bennington is probably going to bounce back, but I don't know. I, I I think that two of the three best teams in the West are in the Pacific. Yeah, that's full stop. Edmonton, Calgary, yeah. Alberta, and Colorado. Yeah. JJ, but, no, I mean. <laughs> That was obviously going to be my last question was biggest threats in the West, but you guys went ahead and answered it, which I love. It's loved, Edmonton so. and Calgary. It's absolutely I was teeing you at JJ. I was teeing you up. I was, I was saying two <laughs> threats are in the Pacific. I know you did a great job. You did a great, I noticed it, but Arif wouldn't be quiet. So he wouldn't. Yeah, that's, give me that's what chance. I do. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we can start to, to wind down uh, this episode. So Peter, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course, you'll be joining us sporadically here and there throughout the season when we can make it all work. Um, but yeah, let's I got, go. I got what? one more question for Peter before we put this away. Okay. Without sharing the details, what is one story in this book that is completely off the map? It's easy to say Gabe Landeskog behind the scenes of his negotiation. Uh, everybody knows Cogliano talked to the team. What is something that you learned that was just so f- new? Was there anything? I just want to know if there's something in there. Um, is Sam Gerard's mom, like the team's biggest cheerleader, like something, <laughs> give me something. Oh, what's a good, oh, that's a good question. Let me think. Um, here's a bit of a teaser. Here's one. Um, you know how they switched when Kadri came into the lineup, they moved Lackanen and Rantanen onto McKinnon's line. Like that home came, and away. Yes. That came at the suggestion of Nathan McKinnon. Huh? He, he was like, I think this is how he, he was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. He said, cause I, I think the reasoning was that he knew that um, they weren't going to have in Tampa, they weren't going to have Kucherov and his line out against McKinnon. And so he was like, so we need our good defensive line, a good defensive line against them. So he's like, put Val and Landeskog with Naz and that'll limit uh, the Kucherov line. That is awesome. So there's head coach the... of the Colorado. <laughs> so there's one detail for you. That's a good one. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted. Something different. <laughs> that's great. All right, JJ, sorry to cut. Yeah. You off. Right. So buy the book, you can get more of that shit. Right on Peter. Well, that was awesome. I'm looking forward to the book. I'm excited about it. I know 90% of avalanche land got the carry me home. Um, what is, is that a book technically magazine? I, I consider that's, that's that more a of a of, volume. It's yeah, like all that's the just articles. A bunch of articles. Yeah. A memoir. No. <laughs> I don't think it's memoir. that. <laughs> but, a novel. Um, well, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. Um, I think you'll definitely enjoy this podcast. So I don't have to bless your heart, but bless your pretty little heart if you made it this far anyway. Let's make hockey for everyone. Enjoy the season, guys. We out you.